Hey there, Word Wranglers. Welcome to another Symphony of Words on the Right Shift with your maestro, Tim King, leading the orchestra. Tune your senses as we compose our way through the harmonious yet sometimes discordant world of freelance copywriting. Whether you're a novice still trying to find the right rhythm in your first composition, or a seasoned virtuoso who has faced a cacophony of misplaced metaphors in the final verse, this is the place to be. Together we'll navigate the crescendos of success, the challenges, and all the caffeinated improvisations in between that orchestrate this extraordinary sonata of words. So adjust your bow, hold tight to that soothing cup of liquid motivation, and prepare yourself for another captivating overture into the rhythmically rich, dynamically diverse symphony of freelance copywriting. Welcome to The Right Shift. Alright folks, fasten your seatbelts because today we're venturing into the dynamic universe of copywriting with a man who's not only been there and done that, but also composed the soundtrack. So our guest today is Luke Carlino, a copywriting virtuoso who's been crafting compelling narratives for the past seven years. Beginning his career in the structured world of banking, Luke spent 15 years in the sector before he discovered the creative potential of copywriting and decided to take the leap. Despite the daunting prospect of leaving a secure job in the fear of the unknown, he persevered, mastering the art of copywriting, and launched his freelance career, which, by the way, is still going strong and making waves in the industry. Talk about a career transformation, but Luke's journey doesn't stop there. In addition to his copywriting prowess, he's also a Googleable musician, adding another layer of creativity to his already impressive portfolio. Luke's story is a testament to the power of resilience, the importance of following your passion, and the endless possibilities that come with embracing change. Luke Carlino... Welcome to The Right Shift. <laughs> Thank you for having me. That's a great intro. I'm really impressed with that. That's well done. <laughs> I might have to try and uh, use that for some other stuff. Maybe my new bio or something. <laughs> yeah, look, more, more, than, more than welcome to be able to do that, mate. Absolutely. So look, tell us and, and look, tell the listeners, how did, you, how did you fall out of banking and into copywriting? That's it seems like an interesting story. <laughs> it, is, it is pretty interesting. It's probably one of the craziest things that I've ever done in my life actually um i was in banking for a long time i was in the banking sector for just shy of 15 years um that's 15 years of a secure nine to five job <laughs> that uh, paid the mortgage and it was my first sort of real job out of school so it was kind of all that i knew um and i think one day i just kind of uh, hit a hit a wall with it. I was just like, this is, you know, I'm I'm sort of dreading every day when I get up and go to work, and and there has to be more to life than this type of uh, type of vibe. So um, so yeah, one day I just quit my job. I quit with no other job, uh, no sort of plan. I just up and up and quit, and um, went over to Europe to play music for a couple of months, just sort of tour around, hang out with friends. And uh, I, I was, it's like a 15 year late gap year, I guess you could say, is what I did. Um, so while I was over there, I had a friend who had her own marketing agency. And uh, I was staying with her and we were hanging out. And she said, um, or as an aside to this, I'd always sort of written for fun. I'd written for like music magazines and music websites and, and stuff like that. So writing was a bit of a passion um, and something that I thought I was semi decent at. And she said, well, you know how to write? Why don't you write me some blogs while you're traveling around and I'll pay you and you can have a bit of an income and, and uh, you know, buy the next round of beers at the pub instead of, you know, dwindling away your savings. So um, I did. I started writing for her. And when I came back to Australia, I just kind of kept it going. I thought, well, I wonder if, you know, I can do this uh, as a job, which before 
this sort of wasn't really an option. Like I didn't think that it was a something that you could do, certainly not freelance. Um, but I did and it sort of snowballed into more than a full-time job. I now have to sort of get other subcontract freelance writers to, to help me out. So yeah, very strange. I wasn't expecting, expecting that. I sort of thought I'd come back to Australia and go to another bank, but haven't had to yet seven years later. <laughs> so far so good. Having come from the banking yeah. sector myself, and I, I've had a similar uh, past as you, I was in it for 13 and a half years and um, having a, uh, yeah, it's, I couldn't think of anything worse personally. <laughs> Honestly, like it, it just sort of, uh, look, nothing against the place where I worked or the people I worked with, that was all fine, but I just wasn't doing something that I cared about. And over time, that really beats you down, you know? Yeah, it does. Yeah. And I think it's that, that moment where you wake up one day, as you said, and you, you realize that um, you're living someone else's dream and, and you know, that it, you kind of the tagline of your life is just, uh, you, you're a banker or you you work in the banking sector and that's kind of where it starts and ends whereas um, I think now yeah. at least for me as a copywriter outside of it um, yeah like the the sky's the limit I suppose at the same time as the pitfalls are the limit too <laughs> yeah the, the, the highs and lows are definitely more extreme for sure but I think that the thing that attracted me to this way of, of life you know when you are working for yourself and you do have that um, level of risk in what you're doing because you know if you don't work or you don't get the work you don't get paid it's as simple as that um, there's something that I kind of like about that uh, I don't know if it's somewhat of a sadistic thing that you want to put yourself in that <laughs> position because you know you've gone from you've gone from pure comfort and I think that's where a lot of people can get caught is that you're like well why would I leave this very easy rock up and leave paycheck um, but, you know, life is about more than money. So uh, yeah, the challenge exactly. of freelancing is is something that really did, uh, I think I got a little bit addicted to it maybe. Yeah, for sure. So with writing though, like so uh, obviously you got in, introduced to it in a different way than you know, some other people might. Um, did you ever, like you said, you, you said you, you were writing for, for fun and pleasure for yourself just in the background. Was that kind of more fiction? Was it something as a bit of a childhood dream you had that you wanted to get into writing or how did that come about? Yeah, I think the gateway was more so through music because I was, I was sort of strictly writing for music publications. So it might have been like, interv yeah, so interviewing um, musicians and bands or reviewing their albums or reviewing their live shows. And, and then it was just for fun. It was a w another way for me to be involved in the music scene, which I really love. Um, you know, and, and along the way, there might have been some free records or free concert tickets that I was like, I can trade words for goods that I want. That's pretty cool, you know? <laughs> so, um, it took me too long to figure out that those goods could be money, but, um, yeah. So, so it was sort of more through that. I, and, and also writing music myself, the, the art of writing was something that I was sort of chipping away at in my spare time when I wasn't just at work or, or sort of playing music or hanging out with friends or anything like that. So, um, so I guess it was a, it was a introduction into the world of writing that I, didn't realize I was taking. I didn't realize that I was on my way to becoming a writer. I thought that oh, I need to write this stuff to do all of these other things and be involved in the music scene and all of that. So the skill of writing was something I kind of honed as a necessary vehicle for all of the other things that I was interested in, which is very strange. Like, How do you find the difference between, uh, you know, writing for music per se versus, you know, writing for a piece of client copy or you know, having to work to a brief? 
Yeah, it was definitely the biggest learning curve um, that I came across because everyone thinks they can write or everyone sort of says they can write. Um, but when you are working to a brief and you are writing in a more professional setting where you might be writing a website or a marketing copy or whatever it is, um, you very quickly have to sort of learn. And, and the, uh, the aside of that is every client is different. So not only do you have to learn the rules of the overarching world of copywriting, but you also need to understand the specific clients and their wants. And um, well, I'm sure a lot of copywriters run into an interesting conundrum where often you are writing for people who don't know how to write themselves. That's obviously, that's why they're getting you. So you're having to balance the rules of copywriting with what the client thinks is good and bad and, and just what you think is good and bad. And I don't really think there's a, a easy way to learn it other than just doing it and getting a range of different clients and sort of figuring out your own rules that you can then take to them with a level of confidence. And, and eventually that's sort of what people will start to pay you for. So yeah, it's an interesting, it was the hardest thing that I had to learn. How do you go from writing in street press punk magazines to, you know, professional website copy and stuff like that. It's, it's definitely a, a trial by fire. So I suppose in that case, like I'm going to ask you the most obvious question here then, and that is um, like, what did that look like for you? Does it, was it something that you went and did courses? Did you go and try and just pick up like content from somewhere else and just read through that? Or like, what, what was the, what was that like? Yeah, it was definitely a lot of, um, I didn't do any courses per se. It was more just studying existing stuff that I thought that was good, reading sort of some books about it and stuff like that. But really it was a case of, okay, what is this client? What is the tone of voice that they're after? What can I find that is successful, that is close enough to it that I can kind of study the way that that's been done? Um, it was really, a, it was because, you know, when I first started writing, um, I was writing like marketing blogs and things like that. So not only are you having to learn how to write for those particular pieces, but you also have to figure out what are you writing about? Like the, the investigative side of copywriting, which is how do I understand this topic and portray it in the best way, you know, for the audience that it needs to be shown to. Um, that was something that I think I kind of, had some skill in because of the writing I was doing. Um, but really you just got to adapt quickly. You know, you've really got to figure out um, what's going to suit that particular project and it changes. It's a case by case thing that changes. So uh, yeah, sure. yeah, it was as fun as it was tricky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So after all the, the learning and, and the things you've gone and put yourself through, um, have you now decided on a particular style or niche or is what's what's the what's the type of copy you most like to write or what's the most the stuff you most usually write two two different things there because what do i like to write and what do <laughs> i sort of need right as a when you're freelance um i think that you you open your net quite wide because you you really can't be saying no to too much stuff obviously everyone's got their limits and everyone's got their areas of specialty. Um, I've tried to keep myself quite broad. I did that at the start as, as just a matter of survival, you know, like how do I feel a full-time job? Um, I've got to get as many clients as I can. And my first clients ranged from like plastic surgeons all the way through to watchmakers and sort of yeah, everything wow. in between. Yeah. It was, I was writing like for, for anyone and, any, and everyone that would take 
sort of me on, um, I was writing for them and, and learning how to do it. So I think even now, you know, seven years into the career and, and being somewhat more established, that sort of survival mentality hasn't gone away. So I've, I've tried to keep my offerings quite broad. Um, yeah, so there isn't a lot that I'll, I'll say no to in terms of, you know, be it a website or articles. I prefer articles and blogs and stuff like that because I think that you've got a little bit more reign to be creative. Website copy sort of has a bit more of a structure to it, whereas with articles, if anything, the more personality you can bring to it, the better the article's probably going to be, especially these days with, you know, AI and stuff like that coming into the fold as well. So... <laughs> Um, so I think the more human and the more personable you can be in your writing, the better the writing's going to be. Um, yeah, sure. and I think yeah, articles and blogs are probably where you can do that more so than a more rigid copy, like marketing copy for emails or Google ads or whatever. You yeah, know? for sure. But is there, is there a particular thing that like, so you'd, if, if you could only write that one thing, uh, any day of the week or every day of the week, what, what would that be? Like, is, is there a particular, like, just it's only email copy or it's only websites or it's only blog articles? Or what's, what's the thing? What's that one thing that ticks your box? I think it would definitely be any form of, of article. Yeah, anything that's sort of ex- exploring a topic in a, in a longer form context. Um, that being said, I wouldn't want to be in that situation because the fun of the job is the fact that you do get to try and write different, things you know i think you, i can say that now but if i was just writing articles every day or blogs every day like, it would probably be reminiscent of going to the bank every day you know you want a bit of variety so, um so i do like how one day i might be writing social media posts and the next day i might be writing ads copy or marketing yeah. copy and, yeah so uh but if i gun to my head it would probably be some sort of blog or article type yeah. yeah right so I, I like what you've said there because like there's there's a you've got obviously a few different things and that you've been able to do in the over the past and you mentioned before that you've expanded to a point now where you're having this like you know sub out to other people what's the what's the work-life balance look like with that like how do you how do you sort of balance you know your business and you know the music the music and everything you're trying to do all in one go as well as also manage like you know subcontractors and stuff how, how does that work <laughs> Yeah, honestly, that's been probably one of the harder things to to get my head around. Um, I, I don't think I have the best work-life balance. Um, and I don't think anyone who works for themselves probably can say that they do. Bringing in the subcontractors was a way of trying to achieve that. that well, the, the subcontractors came on because one, I hit a point where I had just too much work to even physically do myself that I needed to find some other people. And then when that simmered down a bit, I realized that I could use them to try and reclaim some of that work-life balance back. So I think I'm better at it now than I ever have been before. And it was because I hit a point of near burnout, Um, especially like COVID was an interesting one because luckily, and I'm very thankful for this, I was in one of the professions that could continue to work through COVID because I was already online anyway, already remote working. But because we had nothing else to do, you just worked all the time. And that you almost forgot about the mental fatigue that comes with that. And I think that's something that I've learned about recently is that mental fatigue for writing is a, is a thing and you need to manage that or your quality of work is going to degrade. So um, lately I've really just been trying to get more into a segmented routine of, okay, well, these are going to be my work hours and that's 
where the line is drawn because I, I never used to do that before, especially when I was trying to build my career. I was like, just work as much as you can, build up your portfolio, build up your client list. And this is what you need to do to establish yourself and establish your business. Um, so now I'm trying to peel that back and go, oh, it's five o'clock or it's 5.30. Time to, you know, time to do it. Or what's probably a more uh, feasible way of doing it in this line of work is, this is the work that I'm going to get done today. And then that's it. Uh, and if that means finishing at three, great. I've got a couple of hours to do music or hang out with my partner or do whatever. Um, if that means six, then okay, take the hit. But you start to learn in terms of how much work and how long it takes you as to what you can fit in in a week. And it really comes down to just scheduling it so that your clients are happy, you're hitting your deadlines, but you're not working like seven days a week or something ridiculous, you know? Yeah, I love that. And that's, I think that's a lesson that we all have to learn just as freelancers, particularly not maybe not copywriters, but um, that that moment to shut the laptop, the moment to just turn the machine off and walk away. And, and you know, as much as it might feel, you feel almost pain to do it. Um, I, I love the fact that you've got that like bedded in now, or at least you're getting to that point. Um, another thing that really interests me about you is that you don't, you don't have a website, or at least you didn't provide me a website. So it's it's a LinkedIn profile and and not much else that I could see there. How how do you attract clients? Like what's the what's the way that you get like the, the, that volume of clients in? Yeah, so uh, this is something I'm. It's a bit of a, a mini flex that uh, I don't have a website. I don't have um, you know my when when potential clients ask me like you know where's your website or your resume or whatever like I'm like well I don't have one because I don't I've never needed one and that should hmm. sort of speak volumes you know um but in in you know in i don't know if that's a, if that's great advice to give to other writers or not um <laughs> because i think i've been very lucky there but honestly um my it's it's been a lot of word of mouth for me that's yeah. how i've um built up my client list over the years uh, i i'm a strong believer that that uh quality work gets you work simple as that so yeah um that's certainly been my experience i've had a lot of repeat clients regular clients if you will um a lot of referrals and yeah it's just over the over time built up so to the point where um i've been writing so many other websites i haven't had time to write my own or 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 a need to you know so uh i don't know if that's a normal thing or if, if i'm lucky like do you find that a lot of people I'd, I'd probably say that that you're in the minority of people who who sort of are copywriters have put their their you know the, the shingle out on the on the street front and say hey you know i'm here come and absorb my services um but I'm starting to get into more of that space myself. I'm thinking more and more that do I actually need to pay for a website? Do I need to you know, create one and then manage it and all the other things you have to go in there, do all the, the extra salesy stuff you do with the website, all the all the extra Google stuff in the background. You probably saved yourself quite a lot of pain having to, to market in that method um, and doing you know yeah. just, just word of mouth sort of stuff. So is that to unpack that a little bit though, so do you mainly work with repeat clients now or repeat customers or is that something that you, you're attracting fairly new clients often or? Yeah, what I've got is I've got a, um, I like to call them my uh, my buffer clients. These are regular clients that I, that I do regular work for and that makes, uh, it's, it ticks all the boxes of what I need to like earn to survive, we'll call it, right? These are the clients that as long as you've got them, you're not in the danger zone. 
Uh, and then on top of that will be the sort of ad hoc work that comes in. Um, luckily for me, because I've been doing this for you know nearly seven years now, I do have enough repeat clients where a repeat client might not be you have to do this work every month. It might be you won't hear from them for three months and then they'll email you with something that they need done. And I've luckily got to a point where enough of that comes in that I'm kept busy along with the ones that are regular clients. Um, yeah, that's, that's sort of how that works. So yeah, right. once again, I, 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 I'm pretty, I'm pretty lucky with it. I'm pretty lucky with it, but you know, I will also do a bit of, um, I, I'm, I don't want to make it seem like I just sit back and the work rolls in. Like I do do, I do do a lot of um, networking to try yeah. and make sure that, um, you know, like I've got a lot of people in agencies where it's a case of that agency knows that if they need a copywriter, I'm the guy to go to. So they're kind of finding the work for me in a way. Um, I think that those are the best type of relationships that you can have. I'm finding a lot more these days, a lot of agencies are set up where it really is just a collection of freelancers or contractors who can provide a service and, and you know, you are the go-to person for the copywriting for that person and that person's agency or whatever. And I really like that because it means you get to develop a bit of a working relationship with a team, which can be something that is lacking when you're a freelance solo operator. Um, but it also means that you don't have to work that hard to get the work because their work is also getting the work. Do you know what I mean? So um, I think the relationships are really important in that, in that sort of realm. Yeah. All right. I hope you're enjoying the episode with Luke. We'll be back right after this. Well, my word-wielding comrades, we all know that one of the trickiest parts of freelance copywriting isn't drafting a killer headline or crafting compelling content. It's figuring out how much to price our work, right? Are we charging too little? Too much? Who knows? Just imagine that you had a crystal ball that could reveal what your fellow copywriters around the globe are charging. Well, my friends, get ready to peek into that crystal ball thanks to our sponsor this week, CopywritingRates.com. CopywritingRates.com is spearheading a global freelancer rates survey with the noble goal of demystifying the often confusing world of copywriting pricing. By compiling data on global copywriting pricing, they aim to arm us all with valuable information about our position in the market. So whether you're that fledgling freelancer questioning every quote you give, or the seasoned pro wondering if you could be earning more, this survey is your golden ticket to a treasure trove of insights. And the best part? By participating, you'll receive a free copy of the final report. Yes, you heard me right. Insight into the global pricing trends of our industry, completely free if you participate in the survey. So join the ranks of freelance copywriters around the globe who are stepping up to gain clarity and confidence in their pricing strategies. After all, knowledge is power. And this, my friends, is the ultimate power-up for your freelance journey. Head over to copywritingrates.com and make your voice heard. I do this with all my guests, so I'm going to ask you um, a pretty heavy question. That is, uh, talk to me about just the time where you've had an absolute like nightmare client experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's been a few of those. Take names out and things, of course. You know. <laughs> like... Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I think um, what I was talking about before, where it's like understanding the client and what they want, is super important, but that you also do need to hit a level of confidence where 
sure what they want is important, but also you understand what they need and can explain that to them. And I think earlier on before I had that skill, um, I don't want to say managing expectations because that's not right. A client should expect that you'll give them your best work and you should do that. But I think um, the expectations of the outcome need to be managed in a way that clients know what they are going to get from you and what they need so that you don't give them that and then they've got something else in their head that is completely different and you guys just can't find that middle ground where they're happy and you know you've done a good job or you've provided the service that they want so i mean i don't think i've had anyone where it's sort of ended in like fire but um (laughs) you sometimes can come across you can come across clients where like it's just not clicking and you know you're like you know maybe you should just write your own content or you should you know yeah I, i i don't like to try and um throw it back to them but sometimes like they just can't explain what they want to you or give you a good enough brief that you can give them something they're going to be happy with and it all comes back to the importance of the brief when i was very first starting out and i would just take any sort of job half the time they didn't have a brief right like it would be we need this article here's the title go and write it So you would go and do that and you'd come back and they'd be like, oh, this isn't what we wanted and you need to rewrite it or we're not going to do Mm. this or whatever. And then you've just wasted your own time, which is, you know, you're not going to get paid for and that can be catastrophic when you're just starting out or or at any point really. Um, I very quickly learned how crucial it is that the client gives you an in-depth of brief as they can, as they can give you, and that's always my first discussion with them now. And over time, I've avoided those those you know bad situations because I've made sure that the, the brief is as as in depth as it can be up up the top. Um, yeah. So over time, you do learn how to avoid those clients, or you can sort of spot who might be a bit difficult. But also, you got to take your lumps a little bit. There's always going to be difficult clients, and you just have to <laughs> yeah. figure out how you're going to weather the storm. I guess you know, like no one's ever going to be. It's not always going to be dream clients. Yeah, of course, of course. So, so talk to me then. Um, you know, obviously, a, a multitude of, of client experiences there. What about just one where you've you've had like just it's been a dream to be able to work with, like, or either that, or you're where you're incredibly happy with the work that's gone out, and that you just you're really proud of. I actually have a lot of those and they're the ones that I, when I was speaking before about the regular clients that I work with, um, usually all of those people are like that. And I think the key there, the thing that makes it so good for me is one, a really good working relationship. Like they, they're kind of either similar people or they've got a good amount of humor in the way that they work. Um, they're not like stressed out, you know, stress is something that can be passed on very easily. Mm. So, um, just people where you, you get along, you understand that the goal is quality work and they know what you need or what I need to give them that quality work and they trust that I'm going to give it to them. When you, when you establish those bounds in the working relationship, it becomes fun to do the work for them and, um, you enjoy the output that you give them you know you've got great communication back and forth so that if you're not quite nailing it or there needs changes or whatever it's it's a pleasant path to 
the right outcome. Um, yeah, those sort of make for, and, and I would say that I think that on the whole, most of the time, if you can set it up the right way and you can establish the way that you are and, and how you like to work and what you need from a brief at the top, most relationships turn into that working relationships and client relationships. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you talked briefly before about sort of, or you just very lightly touched on like the whole advent of AI. If, if you had a crystal ball right now um, and you could just look into that, where do you see uh, like copywriting heading in the next few years? What, 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 at least from your perspective? I mean, it's such a good question because I, it would be remiss for us to not probably acknowledge how that's something that's on the mind of every copywriter at the moment, whether yeah. it be as a positive or a negative. Um, I've had this conversation a few times with people in the industry and, and I think one thing that I think and that other people have sort of voiced to me is that we're going to more and more go, there's no ignoring it. It's not going to go away. Um, it's probably only going to get better. Let's be honest, it's not great at the moment, which is why we yeah. all can breathe a bit of a sigh of relief. <laughs> but look at how quickly Absolutely. how quickly it's gotten to that point. Like it's it's evolving rapidly, and it's um, it's adapt or die with it. You know, like we can't just hope it's going to go away. Um, but I think what it's going to do is it's going to push. When I was speaking before about how I really enjoy writing the pieces where you can inject your personality into it and I think we're going to see a need for that a lot more out of writers, copywriters especially. And we're also going to need to see specialists in fields. You know, mm. you're like you're going to need to be an expert in something because right now and probably in the future, AI is only really going to be able to regurgitate existing yeah. information. So if you are a specialist in a field and you can bring new insights to whatever it is you're writing about, that's not something that can be replaced. And I don't see how that could be replaced anytime soon. So uh, I think the tool is going to get better. I think you're probably going to have to learn how to use it. I've already been offered jobs which are just, hey, can you edit our chat GPT blog? Yeah, yeah which, me too. like, drives me insane. <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, oh, man, like, that's... And, you know, I don't, I don't like that. I don't like AI-generated music either because I like the human element of output of you know and the creativity and the individuality that we bring to it uh, i think it would be a real shame if we lose that in any aspect of something that ai touches um but we're we're in business convenience is money saving it's it's hard to uh, ignore all of that sort of stuff so i think the tool is going to get better but i think we need to understand how to be more human to make sure that that's not to our detriment the tool is not to our detriment. Um, where will it be in five years? Oh, man, who knows if, if we're even here, <laughs> you know, like T2. <laughs> I totally agree with you that specialization uh, is, I, I think it's where it's going as well. I, I see that kind of more, the concept of a generalist uh, copywriter or someone who can just, you know, produce work is uh, probably going to go away. And then, you know, obviously more into the strategy space, I sort of see a lot of people going into, and I'm already starting to see people do that. I'm also seeing a lot of copywriters going like, hey, I now offer a workshop, a course, a three-day email uh, like thing um, about how to use ChatGPT. So it's just like, 
it's this really weird kind of like blend of people who are working with the tool to be able to evolve themselves into something different for the future and people who are going like ah oh, there's this new hot product and i've got to be all over it and try to teach everyone about it which at the same time kills their bottom line so it's just this really yeah. strange sort of mix i'm interested to see uh well what do you think so you know with what we've just said where you need to be more specialist and maybe a, a niche expert or whatever that's obviously going to whittle down the uh options for what you could for the work you could do do you think that that becomes more of a negative than a positive for the freelancer, for example? It's going to be harder to find work in that field. I've only very briefly touched on this before on a couple of LinkedIn posts. Um, and there was someone else who mentioned it as well that uh, I can't remember who it was on LinkedIn the other day. But they were saying that, you know, they're not worried about, from a, from a copywriter perspective, worried about AI because... It's going to do two things. It's going to shake the industry. So all of the dead wood falls out of the industry. So the people who are sort of only doing it is that hobbyist or they kind of, you know, pretend, if you will, in that kind of copywriting space. They're doing the freelancing thing, but it's maybe not their exact passion and they're just kind of doing it because it gets cash in. Um, It'll probably shake the tree pretty hard and it'll, it'll, and I hate to use the term dead wood, but it'll dead wood the industry. Um, And I kind of see that, the other thing that'll happen is that you know all the clients that I've got, or no, maybe not all, all the clients that I've got, but every, all of the, the people out there who are currently trying to use ChatGPT as a twenty dollars solution for a copywriter being sitting at a desk, you know, writing copy. I think I see um, that they will turn away from that eventually because once their brand voice, their tone, their their client, uh, just you know, conversations they have throughout, whether it be email or whatever other channels they're using they're going to start to get really generic and really, really bl- like boring and bland. And eventually they'll realize, yeah. oh, wow, all those copywriters we got rid of, um, we now need. Um, and and it, even that, like even the people who go into specialized into AI uh, and copywriting together, I think are going to be um, far ahead of the pack. I kind of always say that uh, a copywriter by themselves is great. AI by itself is not, but you put a copywriter and AI together and if they can work in synergy really well, that's like printing money almost. Um, it, it's something that if, if it can be done in the right way and done with the right market pace, then yeah, I think it's a it's a it's going to be a big boon. Even just from as a time saving aspect for the copywriter, um, it's going to be a massive thing. Yeah, I think brands like good brands that really want to establish their tone of voice and um, expand on it will always need a human copywriter to. Yeah. Do to capture that and, and help it grow. Um, so there's definitely some things that I just can't see AI being able to do and, and change. Mm. But um, yeah, I think you nailed it with that dead wood analogy. I think that's that's probably <laughs> what we'll see in like the next two years even, you know, and we'll, we'll probably see that pretty hard. I'd love to see it in the next six months so that we could all get back to, you know, working at a decent capacity. But, you know, it's sort of... Mm. Um, well, yeah, it might, a... who knows, who knows, yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, look, you know what? Time to rip off the really big question. Um, what kind of secret tools or resources do you like to use on on, on the daily? Like, is there something that you, uh, it's your ride and die, you can't live without? Um, for me, it's a lot of CRM tools like uh, Slack. And I know this is such a boring answer. Like, I'm like, oh, the revelation is Slack, you know. But, um, but I actually have... Uh, with a few of my regular clients, I've got very open lines of communication and that, and that's literally like I have Slack open all day. 
you know, Asana, ClickUp, whatever, whatever tool it is they're using, usually Slack, just to be able to um, chat with them and check things sort of instantly. I, very rarely, what I, what I like to aim to do is very rarely will the first draft come back for changes because I've checked it along the way. So it's a, yeah, I wow. find it to be a really, really good time-saving thing. Very rarely am I like doing a second or third draft because if you've got good communication with the client, um, you can avoid having to do that. And one of the ways that you can do that is by just having that sort of instant messenger conversation. And it doesn't always have to be work. Like first thing on a Monday, hit the Slack channels and check how everyone's weekends was, what you do. Like it helps you to, sort of develop that relationship with them um and and it just means that you can have better better output better work um so yeah that's the big that's the big sort of i know that's such a such a boring answer it's really not though because i think it's something that like when when most copywriters think about communication with their client, the first thing they're thinking about is, oh, maybe the phone call or the discovery call they've, they've had with the client. And then from that point forward, it's nothing but, you know, a, a bounce of email backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards until they, they get the job done, yeah. right? Which means that you're going through that that's kind of shredded amount of, you know, maybe a skeleton draft and then some rent. You've got maybe one, two, three rounds of, of drafting to do before you get to a final product, which works. And it, it's, a, it's a process that's, you know, as, as old as time. But... Um, I love the fact that you've been able to short circuit it with, uh, you know, use, really getting into people's environments and not just being, um, you know, uh, on the outer that someone flicks an email to and just expects stuff to happen. But you're you're an in, on the inner circle. No, yeah. Well, I mean, if you can, if you have to write an article, let's take an article for example, and you do have that line of communication open where it doesn't seem like you're one, it doesn't seem like you're checking with people because you don't know what you're doing or anything, or you misunderstood the brief. It's more just, you've got this open line of communication and you can hit them with a message and say, what do you think of this opening paragraph for the article? Just just to see how you're vibing on it. Like, is, is am I in the right headspace on this one? And they read it and they go, yeah, that's great. Well, then that's approved, done. You don't need to, there's not going to be any first draft notes on that. So, and you can also get a really clear idea of where you need to go next. Now I'm not saying send every paragraph to them (laughs) before you send them the first draft, (laughs) but even, even just being able to confirm that you're, you've nailed the first paragraph, you're already partway down the road as opposed to if you're sending the first draft and they haven't seen that because you, and it just, it's a, it's a massive time saver for you down the track. Yeah. It really is. And what was it like a two second message on Slack, you know, and it's not going to bother the client that much. And they're probably going to be yeah, exactly. glad that they know, you know, it's coming to the right outcome as well. So yeah, I found that to be invaluable. I love it because it, I think even just sending you just said that first paragraph, it kind of, it stills with them the confidence that you were the right person to pick in the first place as well. Um, and then it short circuits that whole thing which I, I th- i'm not sure whether other copywriters have felt it but i definitely feel it from time to time is that that time spend between you know it might be eight o'clock in the morning they say or, or 10 o'clock at night they've sent you something in an email you're not going to respond until maybe 10 the next morning um you know the client might be thinking oh what are they doing for 10 hours or, or so <laughs> before they're responding to my message and the response is yeah i'll get on to that 
you know it's like it's it's a it's a yeah. huge kind of gap in the the business relationship i suppose that happens in, in over email so i love the fact that you know getting into their heads and getting into the the space that they occupy being in that that monday water cooler kind of conversation as well um so that you sort yeah, of you're right. embedded you just as i said embedded before in the team and just just so you kind of you, you felt as essential i suppose at that point yeah and i think it sort of shows that you're going the extra mile and that you really do care about the copy you're creating for them as well like you're not just pumping it out and you know one done here you go like you're showing that i want this i want this opener to be great and that's all that's always a good way of approaching it is like i really want to come in strong on the opener let's just can you just quickly check this and make sure i'm on the right track it it's really you're double checking the work right you're making sure that they're happy with it but it seems as if you like really really care about nailing this piece which you do which you obviously do but they see it and that's super important and that's what gets you the next job because they know that you go that extra distance and, and really put the passion into what you're doing. Absolutely. I'm going to ask you a massively hairy question. We're sort of rounding out the episode now, but if you could turn the clock back, what three pieces of advice would you give to yourself as a brand spanking new copywriter? Uh, quit your old job a lot sooner would be the first one <laughs> get into it a lot sooner i think i probably would have uh told myself to understand the role and the digital marketing industry a little bit better i think that not that i really i didn't have a rough start or anything um if anything i think i was quite lucky with how i i built up my client base but if I understood the strategy behind the work that I was creating better, I think that would have been even faster. So yeah, it's cool to say, look, I'm the copywriter and I write this and then that goes into the marketing strategy and whatever, but understanding more about the overall marketing strategy, be it for the email that you're writing or the ad that you're writing or the social posts or the article, how does that fit into the bigger picture? Um, that can be invaluable to you uh especially when you're pitching for new work or you're you know discussing what you would do with a new client giving that more overarching understanding of the role of digital marketing for that business um would be something that i wish i understood more of sooner uh, and even now like it changes so often that i'm still trying to keep up with it and make sure i understand it all um but yeah i, I definitely would have said hey focus on a widen your focus don't just focus on being a good writer be a good marketer that would have been something um <laughs> so that's two of three what else would i have said probably something around the work-life balance thing i think i probably would have tried to give myself some tips there so that i didn't like almost hit fatigue and burnout you know i probably would have said hey you don't have to work seven days a week to launch your freelance career um and I probably wouldn't have listened to myself back then either. <laughs> so even if I had said that, I probably would have still done it because you're really hungry at that point. You're a little bit scared. You're like, well, how do I yeah. make this a career? Definitely um, scared. <laughs> yeah, definitely scared. Definitely scared. But, you know, I think that fear was a great motivator for me and it was yeah. something that got me to where I am now. So I wouldn't want to do too much to dissuade that fear at the same time as giving myself advice. It, that that first few you know, months years of fear can can really help drive things but then you're right like the burnout is realistic as well it's something that can happen pretty quickly if you take too much on so it's a it's a pretty fine balance you got to have 
Absolutely, yeah. And it's tough to figure that out as well. It's just, I, I don't think you can tell someone that either. I think you have to just figure that out by, by living through it. All right, Luke, look, look, it's been fantastic to have you on the show today. In the last few minutes, tell the listeners where they can find more of your brilliant work online or just, you know, time to plug some links basically well you know what i was going to mention before when we were talking about the website but one reason i do kind of wish i had one is so that i could just have a, a, a <laughs> nice portfolio of my work i've written so much so i don't even remember where it all is you know um but uh yeah so i guess linkedin is probably the best i keep that updated um, i have it open all day i think it's a great tool for not only i find a lot of clients through it but also just um, networking with peers and, and other people in the marketing industry. So, so yeah, if, definitely come and say hi at my LinkedIn. Um, that would be the best place to find me. And as you said, very Googleable. Would definitely punch my name into Spotify as well. That'd be rad. <laughs> yeah, very cool. You get get a few more, uh, you know, hundreds of cents and a dollar every for every play, right? <laughs> Yeah, it's not a money-making venture by any means. It's purely just uh, warm and fuzzies. <laughs> no, for sure, for sure. And look, hey, look, thanks for, for coming again. And uh, yeah, I hope you've uh, enjoyed being on The Rut Show. I have. Thank you very much for having me. I really had a good time. No, cheers. No problems, man. All right, Word Wranglers, we've scribbled our way right to the end of another thrilling episode of The Right Shift. A massive thank you goes out to my guest today, Luke Carlino. To learn more about Luke and the amazing stuff he's putting out into the world, check out his links and the links he mentioned in the episode show notes. Of course, none of this would be possible without the support of our sponsors. And a special shout-out, of course, goes to our episode sponsor, copywritingrates.com. You can find out more information about them and their fantastic global freelancer copywriting rates survey at, you guessed it, copywritingrates.com. Also, don't forget to follow and subscribe to The Right Shift on your favorite podcasting platform so you won't ever miss an upcoming episode. And while you're there, if you've enjoyed listening to The Right Shift today, then leave a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you've listened to the show. It helps more people discover the podcast and join our ever-growing community of phenomenal freelance copywriters. But until next time, remember, you've been listening to The Right Shift.